Hi, I'm Brady Breeze, safety for the Detroit Lions, and you're listening to The Only Playbook. Welcome to episode 51 of The Only Playbook, The Usual Suspects. I'm Sweetcar, Shoshobit. This is an extra special episode, guys. We are finally conquering the North, which corresponds to both of our, all three of our favorite teams. So going to be an exciting, exciting episode. How are you guys doing? Doing great. It's going to be the the battle of the North. This should be exciting episode. Yeah, I'm just, um, I I don't know how to feel right now. I feel like we just got some really good news um, and filled some holes on the Vikings defensive side that I was really concerned about. So yeah, I'm pumped. Let's get this show on the road. Let's do it, guys. Again, Kings of the North. Is it going to be the Steelers? Is it going to be the Vikings? Is it going to be anybody else? That's going to be on tap today. If you enjoy our content so far, uh, obviously, we talk about this every episode. We're everywhere, all social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at The Only Playbook. If you're watching, you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Bottom this way should be all of the logos of all the different uh, platforms that we're on. But uh, if you're listening, you're listening to anywhere, Uh, Apple, Google, Anchor, and Spotify. And so um, again, appreciate all the support so far, guys. Uh, this has been a treat. The off season's no, you know, no different. It's been nothing short of content. So we're excited to get this started, which let's go ahead and do. The NFC is where we're going to start because the NFC is better than the AFC, obviously. And the NFC North begins nowhere outside of Minnesota with the Vikings. We're going to do this special today because we have a guest joining us today. What's up, fellas? How are we doing? You know, great day to be alive. (laughs) Yeah, uh, me and and Nick had some talks about the Vikings during brunch, and um, everybody else had to be quiet for a little bit. Um, But anyways, let me introduce you guys. Um, So, Nick, this is Suikar, my first cousin. There's Shovit, my second cousin, huge football fan. Suikar's a Vikings fan. Shovitz, a Steelers fan. This is Nicholas. Uh, Nick is a Vikings fan. How, you don't meet very many of those, but you know, out of like nine people in our close knit friends group in uh, on the island, Nick and I were the two Vikings fans. So we had we got to talk about a lot of Viking stuff starting in like 2017. Um, so that being said, let me introduce Nick real quick. This guy is literally the smartest guy I have ever met. Uh, you know, and um, he's <laughs> he's a he's a very very. Um, well-rounded individual, you know, now he's investing in homes and uh, I call him, or he, I call him Adam Thielen because he's got, he had the best hands in SGU. Damn. And, uh, he was our safety wow. wide receiver. He did it all. Um, some people call him Tricky Nicky for, I don't know why I'm still tricked <laughs> by that nickname. So not sure why that's there. Maybe that's why. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, maybe. Uh, Nick's a world traveler. You know, he uh, takes trips anytime he wants. He goes to weird places and does weird things like Nick does, and he's a very logical individual, one of the most logical people I've ever met, until it comes to the topic of Kirk Cousins. And then, and then Nick is just like Sweetcar, very uh, looking forward to the future, uh, you know, take that year off to try to rebuild your team. Uh, you guys have very GM-like minds, and um, I can't wait to uh, talk more about it here. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's get going. That is quite the introduction, Nick. I don't know if you're going to live up to those expectations, but you're already on the right foot wearing that Vike shirt, so I certainly respect that. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, me and Shashot have been talking about this Kirk Cousins thing for a while as well. So maybe you and I sit on the same side of the table here, but this will be really, really interesting because I want to open the floor to you first because there's been so much that's happened this offseason or hasn't happened uh, in terms of what we wanted to happen. Obviously, I don't know if you saw, but like 10 minutes before we started, the Vikings did recently just bring back Patrick Peterson to one year. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. But let me let you take the wheel here. Uh, take it whichever direction you want man all right let's go uh so as far as the offseason goes um my thoughts are kind of mixed um as you show it knows i've been very down on the management of the team for quite a while um so not not as much zimmer i was i rick spielman i i i don't know i have very little um uh, not i respect the man as a man but i have very little respect for him as a general manager uh, so seeing him, seeing the whole rebuild that the team I thought was going to enter was very, very encouraging for me. Uh, very happy with that direction. However, what I thought was going to happen following that really hasn't come to fruition. So like you mentioned, uh, him and I have argued on the Kirk Cousins, uh, Kirk Cousins side of things on multiple occasions, always friendly. Um, I very much stand with how it sounds like you stand uh, in that Kirk is a very good quarterback, uh, but he is paid like a top three to five quarterback in the NFL. And he's just not there. And in a salary cap league, you need to have a, it, the, the financials matter way more than who the actual players are. Um, so I would have liked the Vikings to either move on from Kirk cousins this season or just let him play out his contract uh, and then move on next season, as opposed to going with the extension route. It seems like the plan, at least at this point, is to just run it back with the same players. And while those players are very good, I love Adam Thielen. I love Eric Kendricks. They're all phenomenal, uh, phenomenal players, great human beings as well. I don't think that running it back with a bunch of older players on a team that didn't make the playoffs last year is a viable strategy for winning this season. I, I mean, I echo a lot of those same sentiments. So rather than me saying the same thing you just said, Shashot, give us the opposing side. Yeah, so, you know, this, this really gets philosophical. This isn't about um, us holding two controllers and playing Madden against each other, right? This is about our principles on how a team should be built. That's how, that's the difference here. And that's why that's like the core of the topic. And then the things trickling across, we're talking about little things off the branches where it doesn't really make a difference what we think unless we come together on the core principles of how we want to run a team. So me, I don't look at it like you guys look at it as like a GM standpoint. I look at it from a player personnel standpoint. Like I want to win every single year and I've never gotten that opportunity. So, and you don't know how much longer you're going to live, right? Like, I, I don't want to look forward to the future. I want to win now. And, you know, that's very, um, that's not the smartest way of looking at things. But, you know, football is probably my favorite thing on earth outside of friends and family. So, you know, I look forward to August. Like, you know, like how people look forward to Christmas. Like football every August is my Christmas. So I don't want to believe that I need to take a year off to be better, even though that is the best way to become better. You take some years, struggle a little bit, be better. But the fandom in me is just too freaking stubborn. I am one of the most stubborn fans on this planet. I'm not a homer because I, I know the truth between what's happening and what's not happening. But I am very stubborn. I want to win now. And it just so happened that we ended up getting a new regime in the coaching um, you know, areas. And that kind of 
followed my principle. They're like, okay, well, you know, we're young. We're, we got new coaches that also love Kirk Cousins. We're going to try to win now and see what happens. The cap thing sucks. I agree. I wanted Deshaun Watson. I wanted all these other guys we all wanted. But situationally, I want the best player to lead this team. And um, looks like things are maybe turning a little bit. Like recently, as of a couple of days ago, uh, Ben Lieber reported on the Purple Daily that um, there's been some – Kirk Cousins been taking notes throughout the season, and he sat down all the big names on the team. Uh, and they, they had a meeting. Uh, they had a team meeting, and everybody walked out of that uh, room just in awe. Like, how did this man take note of all this? And it looks like we're ready to win. So that gives me excitement. Uh, I know we're not the best team in the league, but we could very well be the best team in the North right now. And that gives me just enough hope to make the playoffs and see what this young regime in the uh, staff can do here and there to make us win. Because if you look at the teams like the Bengals, we didn't think they were ready to win. Yeah, they got Joe Burrow, but their defense was trash, right? All of a sudden, playoff comes around, things turn here and there, one interception, 10 sacks later, you're in the Super Bowl. So uh, I think we have the right pieces. Yes, we do have a lot of older players. Please don't bring back Anthony Barr. Don't do it. Um, but, you know, things are there. And now with this new regime of youngsters, it gets me excited. It gets me excited. I can yeah. respect pretty much everything you said. Chauvet, as a neutral non-Vikings fan, how did you see this season shake out this past season that you got to witness with both of us firsthand? And, and what, what are your thoughts with how we've kind of handled the offseason? Yeah, Nicholas, first of all, thanks for jumping on. It's good to get another Vikings fan here that's not just these two guys and get just other viewpoints from a Viking standpoint. But, you know, as far as like looking at what the Vikings have done in the offseason, it's kind of like you've got a new GM, you've got a new coach. So you're looking at the personnel you have and you're saying, if we just change the culture around here and kind of improve, like you give Kirk Cousins a one-year extension, you say, hey, I trust you. I'm going to, let's just kind of build the morale here, work with the personnel you have. You add Darius Smith and add some key pieces here and there. Let's just see what, we, what, what can come out of this year and then move forward. And then the next year is probably when they will make more changes. So all in all, from like as far as an organization standpoint, I think that they're doing a pretty good job, given that you have a new GM, a new coach. And these are really, you don't want to overhaul everything. You know, you were eight and nine, you were average. Maybe you can do better if you just change the culture and move some pieces here and there. Yeah, I mean, so, okay, so I respect pretty much everything all three of you guys have said. Nick, I do agree with you just from a GM standpoint, like from thinking that way, that financials, it's really, really difficult. And I also just really wonder, you know, the the, the beginning of Mike Zimmer's regime, I think like Shisho, you and I were huge Mike Zimmer guys, like, right? Like we, we thought this was the next, you know, this was going to be the greatest court, uh, coach in Vikings history, just with the, the, the mindset, the defense, finally, we got defense, like we lacked defense for a decade and beyond. And so I think seeing where he started, where us fans were at with Mike Zimmer, seeing the initial success, the playoffs uh, and all of that, I think it's crazy that we were there at one point and now that Mike Zimmer's gone, it's become like everything last year was basically Mike Zimmer's fault, right? And so do I think that the exact same players from last year with a coach and a GM that can empower them can improve? 100%, 100%. I truly believe that. I think Quazi Adafo Menza and Kevin O'Connell saying hi to Brian O'Neill in the hallways is going to lead to some more pancakes. I really, really do, because that's going to be good for his morale. But do I think that running it back with this exact same team with this new regime is going to lead to a possible Super Bowl? I really, really don't. And I, I think that's just because 
I'm trying to understand where we had a bad defense, but we had one of the best defensive minds in the game, right? He's gone. We got another decent defensive mind, but to be honest, if I'm comparing the two from a defensive mind perspective, I still think Zimmer's better. I know that the offense was successful last year. We saw Kirk Cousins do really, really good things. And you think of all the stats, all of Justin Jefferson being so close to breaking the records. And then you look at where we were points per game and we were average. We were right in the middle of the league. It's it's interesting, right? So like between the 20 yard line and the 20 yard line, we did a really good job of getting all the yards, getting Justin Jefferson, all those receptions. But for some reason, when it came to scoring points, we didn't, we were very, very mediocre. And so I wonder that, this offense can definitely improve because Kevin O'Connell is going to empower Kirk. He's going to finally give him the environment that maybe he never had, but how much more can that defense improve to really, really push this needle into like winning the division and winning the NFC. And yes, Devonte Adams is a huge loss, but guys, we, there's still Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers is still that quarterback and everything else about the Packers is still the Packers. So yes, Devonte Adams is a huge loss for them. But do I still think the Packers are better than the Vikings when I when push comes to shove, who I'm going to put my money on to win the division? I'm still going to put my money on the Packers. So th- that's why I'm so conflicted. I agree that we waited a while and the offseason kind of played out in our favor with getting Pat P back at a discount. Uh, we got a couple of pieces. And I think there's a chance that with the money we have, we could still go out and get one more guy like a center or somebody that we need on the offensive line. But I just still don't think it pushes the needle enough that we're going to be able to overcome the Packers. I really, really don't because it's still Aaron Rodgers and our defense is arguably a little bit older and kind of the same. Yeah, um, just a couple of things real quick before I'm going to ask Nick some things here. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, man. Like that's that's the that's the sad truth here. The sad truth is we're just going to be little brothers to the Packers. We've always been the little brothers to the Packers, although we do. Uh, Zimmer ended up having a. Did he end up ha- did he end up having a winning record against Aaron Rodgers when before he left? Um, I'm well, not sure. I mean, it, as successful yeah. as we could ex- expect, right? Yeah, right. So at the end of the day, we're we're not there, and we haven't hit that stride. It looks like the pieces are trying to be added, and maybe the scheme change will do it. Um, that defense being ranked 28th, you know, last year, yanked, ranked again in the lower uh, 20s the year before. I look at it like, where else can you go with a new regime, with a new coach? Like, it has to go a little up, right? Like, just give the offense a little bit more time, and I think that may just balance it all out. But who knows? We'll have to see. Um, while we have Nick here, before he goes and saves lives uh, out there in New York, um, let's ask him some uh, important questions that we don't really get to ask Vikings fans on the daily. Um, number one, let's start off with, tell everybody here why, who your favorite Vikings receiver is of all time. My favorite Vikings receiver for all time, Chris Carter. Uh, and frankly, it's not very close. I when I when my fandom when my fandom developed, uh, I was like six or seven years old, 1998, the 15 and one uh, season, living in Minnesota. Uh, we all kind of hopped on the bandwagon at that point. Uh, actually, the first time I remember myself crying was when we lost that <laughs> NFC Championship game. Uh, but yeah, Chris Carter. Uh, a lot of people love Randy Moss for the same reason, but I always felt that Chris Carter was more of a leader for that team. Uh, Randy Moss was obviously the rookie, the new guy, phenomenal stats on an incredible wide receiver. But, but as far as somebody who I'd want to build my team around, I felt like Chris Carter was more central to that team, I guess. I mean, I can respect that. 
Yeah. Locker room guy, right? Randy Moss is not your like leader. He's not going to like empower other people. He's just, he's just a freak of, of nature and he's a special talent. But yeah, if you think, if you talk leader, Chris Carter, if you talk stats, probably Chris Carter in terms of consistency and longevity and Chris Carter doesn't get mentioned enough for arguably having like the best hands of all time. Agreed. Yeah. No sticker was used by Chris Carter. No. Didn't you guys have another receiver at that same time? It was like Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and then Jake Jake Reed. Jake Reed, yep. Three deep. They were called three deep. Yeah, I mean, and and you talk uh, you talk about all these great rosters that we've had, even in just our lifetime, right? The '98, the 2000, the two thousand and nine, the two thousand and fifteen. Like, it, I mean, there's so many times where it felt like, okay, this is it, guys. This is our year. And then, wouldn't you know it, something came about. And the one thing that gets me excited about this year that I think you guys hopefully will agree with me on is, I think the Vikings have always for the most part over the last decade, Zimmer, Tice, Childress, Frazier, whoever, they always lacked like situational awareness, right? It always felt like we were so bad when it came to like really, really basic stuff. Like, let's try to call a timeout here. Like, why is nobody calling a timeout? Or like, oh, it's two, it's two minutes. Let's, let's show a sense of urgency. Yeah. Oh, can our defense stop anybody inside of two minutes in the second quarter or at the end of the game? No, right? So like, those are all situational things that like, it takes a certain level of leadership to be like, guys, let's let's kind of give that extra fucking effort here, you know? And it seemed like we never could do that. And so having a coach that finally will try to empower his players and not like belittle them or like, like get them afraid and scared. I really, really think that can help elevate us more than anything else we've done guys. I think that's the difference between like two wins, three wins that we had last year is just situational football. Yeah. Think about that. The one that really comes to mind is the 12 men on the field in the NFC championship game <laughs> in 2009 uh, from a situational awareness point. I, I actually thought Frazier was probably okay at that. He just had no team around him, but yeah, outside of him, everyone else, just the coaching, the coaching, the in-game coaching has not been very good. No. Yeah. And what do you guys think about this new uh, letting Kirk Cousins do just kind of do his thing out there? Do you think there's some truth to that? Do you think he's capable of doing that? Do you think it should? Do you think they should let him do that? So I think I think it's a good way to go, uh, mostly because he's never had that opportunity in his career. And I'd like to see what he can do. With that said, do I think he has that ability? Um. No, I don't. He he's always been the the guy who I'm going to go in. I'm going to run the exact play that gets called uh, to the best of my ability, and nothing's going to change about it. And if it doesn't work, it's not my fault. Somebody else kind of screwed up for the most part. I I'd like to see if he can rise to that occasion, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, but I'm not optimistic. I I share similar sentiment. I think that's what I've been calling for last year, right? Shashot, I was really upset that like Kirk wouldn't get the ability to call his own timeouts in the game. Like, why would he have to wait for the coach to tell him to call a timeout? No other quarterback does that, right? So uh, audibles, right? Uh, Calling timeouts, like pre-snap reads to make adjustments. I've been wanting Kirk to be able to do that. Now, I never really understood. Maybe with Zimmer, it was just because he wasn't allowed or maybe he wasn't empowered to. But now that he is, I want that. I'm eager to see what that's going to show us. But again, the skepticism lies in the fact that we've never seen Kirk succeed in that capacity throughout any part of his career, not just NFL. So obviously there's going to be natural skepticism, but again, 
you know, people, there's definitely differences to this comparison, but this is what I'm going to latch on to, to get the emotional optimistic fan in me going for this year. Let's look at Matt Stafford last year, guys. He was in a shitty situation with the Detroit Lions. Finally, some team empowered him that wanted him. They put a good team around him and he succeeded. Do I think the Vikings and the Lions are similar in franchises? Absolutely not. Like if, if we're comparing that, then like we're in a shittier situation than we think we are. But, <laughs> but with that being said, you know, that's, that's an example of this could possibly work. So now that the pieces are in play, now that we know this is what we're going to do heading into the season, it's, 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 I guess, idiotic to be anything, but like, let's see what happens and, 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 and go, go from there. But um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I agree with you, Nick, that I don't know that Kirk has that in him. Otherwise I think at some point he would have just told one of the coaches to let him do something like that. They're like, dude, I can do this. Just let me fucking do it. And I don't know any coach that would say no to your starting quarterback, but Again, now that the situation is built around him, let's hope that he can thrive because him thriving could be the difference between us winning eight, nine games and us maybe winning 12, 13 games in us. Absolutely. Any last words, uh, Nick? Any last input on the season? Uh, uh, yeah, I got a hot take uh, coming for the NFC North, not necessarily a Vikings take. I think this is the year the Detroit Lions do not finish last in the NFC North. <laughs> I do not know who it is, but I think this is the year. Okay. I mean... I mean, process of elimination, Nick, if, you, if you're saying you do not know who it is, let's think about this. Unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, there's no way the Packers will finish last, right? There's just no way. Can we all yeah. agree on that? Okay. Um, if you're saying Detroit's not going to, and we just talked about kind of where we sit, and we know Kirk Cousins. I don't think Kirk Cousins is the kind of guy that's going to win three games. He's always going to win seven to nine games. Like, that's who he is. He's not bad enough to train wreck a franchise. So that means that the Bears have to finish last, right, ideally? Or I guess in, in that situation? Ideally, yes. Yeah, that would be, be where I'm at. I agree with you just for the fact that there's got to be a reason that the Detroit Lions are going to be on hard knocks this year, right? Like there's got to be some sort of it's in a house. Duh. I mean, that that he he could have been very, very much the tipping scale there. They were like, eh, oh, Brady, okay, we're going to do it. But I think like you can't put like the Detroit Lions are a shit show, right? So for them to get picked to be on hard knocks, I think is probably a testament to Dan Campbell, right? I think Absolutely. we give him a ton of credit because like, regardless of their play and everything, that team is corralled around Matt, Dan Campbell. Whether they win zero games, they're all going to do it together or they go 17 and 0, they're all going to do it together. And that's the type of camaraderie that I think us Vikings fans are longing to see with a coach and a team. So if we can build a relationship like that, I don't care if, you know, Kevin O'Connell needs to cry in his pressers to get our team to feel the way uh, Dan Campbell's players feel about him. But uh, I, I, I agree with you in the sense that this is going to be the year that I think Detroit finally takes the next step. I hope so. They deserve it. Not, not, not to finish above the Vikings, but they deserve to not finish last. <laughs> absolutely nick it was an absolute pleasure to have you on thank you so much for your insight thank you for taking your time when you could be saving lives or doing other important shit but we'd love to have you back on some point during the season because i know there's going to be drama around the vikings as there always is uh any last words to vikings fans heading into this year well we're running it back so let's go get it uh i think i think we're a playoff team and i'm optimistic let's go get it let's go baby skull vikes thanks right. so much nick thanks guys appreciate it <laughs> thanks nick and there you have it, guys. Guest star Nick Wolf. Big, big Vikings fans. I got super excited because I didn't like, I just, it's hard for me to like fathom that there's people that are as big of Vikings fans as we are that don't live in Minnesota. So it gets me, it's like such a weird, like, oh, that guy's like, is he related to me? Like, there's like a weird family aspect to this whole, like this fandom, I feel like. So I'm super excited to somehow get Nick's number for me and just start texting him on the side. Uh, so that, that's, that's the Vikings. Uh, I don't, I don't know if there was anything else we wanted to add. 
uh, from our perspective about the Vikings. Again, we talked about it. They just signed Patrick Peterson, like right before we got on the podcast, that fills a huge hole at cornerback for them. Uh, they got this 12th overall pick in the draft. And so uh, is there any, I think what you're trying to say is new men on the Minnesota Vikings. Let's go. Oh man. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's no way to go, but hope for the best now, right? Because we've, we've got the, the, the core foundation and structure of our roster put together. I'm still hopeful that we can go out and sign a center because I don't think Garrett Bradbury should be our starting center. Maybe we draft one, but I will say having Patrick Peterson back puts me at so much more ease about our cornerback situation. I still think we should probably draft one, but I think having Patrick Peterson, even if his skill set is not what it once was, that leadership and being like the the, the older guy there, like I don't think Cam's, Cam Dancer was going to command that cornerback room, you know? So it's really nice to have Pat P there. Um, let's, let's, let's move right along. Dan Campbell and the hard knock appearing Detroit lions are who we want to talk about next. That's right. The Detroit lions after how many wins did they have last year? Two, three, three, three wins have deserved a spot on hard knocks. Somebody talked to me about how somebody gets decided to be on hard knocks. I'm really, really curious, but nonetheless, this is a team that again, we, we talked about it just on the earlier segment for a very, very long time. This franchise has been a train wreck, right? I, I, I think they've just been like bottom feeders. They've had really, really small glimmers of like, we made the playoffs or, you know, we did this, we had a good player in Calvin Johnson. Like there's very, very like tidbits of situations where the lions have excelled. But for the most part, I don't think anybody in the North takes the Lions seriously. I don't think anybody in much of the NFL takes the Detroit Lions seriously with that being said, right. With that being said, let's turn the page. Let's, let's forget about last year because I think the lions are doing a good job of building some momentum, getting this hard knocks, Steel, Dan Campbell, all that good stuff. Um, there's really nowhere to go but up. You look at a team that did a really, really good job um, from a standpoint of working with what you got, right? Top, top to bottom, that roster is not very talented. We make fun of get Jared Goff. We give him shit pretty much all the time. Like he's not the future yet. He's their starting quarterback. Um, and really, Amonri St. Brown was like their big come up last year. But outside of that, you think about the Detroit Lions and on defense, obviously Brady Breeze, obviously Brady Breeze. If you're not building a Brady Breeze, you might as well just roll over and just turn your franchise over. So uh, obviously, but without, besides those guys, like what really was there to get excited about without for this Detroit Lions team? Yet, for some reason, they have enough people excited to be featured on Hard Knocks. And I feel like their fan base is very optimistic going into this year. And I think that's really, really a testament to how Dan Campbell has groomed the entire situation. Where are you guys seeing this Detroit Lions team heading? Yeah, I think their optimism first came in week nine when they had the first like game that they didn't lose with you the had to bring it up. against the Steelers. I had to. And, uh, you know, they're, they're like a like a like a plant that you're sprouting. And and Dan Campbell's out here watering his, the, the team with his tears sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and there's some sprouts, like you mentioned, like um, Amonre St. Brown, who was the NFL offensive rookie of the month in December. Uh, you, you've got some you've got uh, Swift. And they're trying to work a deal with TJ Hawkinson. If you can have him back, uh, that would be uh, a decent uh, offense to kind of go with. Um, and so I think that they have a lot of things that they need to do. But as far as what they're what they're looking to do on the draft, I know you mentioned Brady Breeze. I hate to say this, but I think that they're going to try to go out and get a safety. Um, if and that's if Aiden Hutchinson is not available. If the Jaguars pick Aiden, if don't pick Aiden Hutchinson, then I think that they'll get him for the number two pick. Um, but if not, then Kyle Hamilton as in a safety position, I think that would be a really good, he's versatile. He can play the coverage. He can also run 
uh, play the run defense with his big body, 6'4", I think like 200 something pounds. So I think that that's someone that they can try to get. Um, but they have a lot of moving pieces. I think that the uh, NFC North is kind of open. I don't, I won't, I don't, I don't want to say that the Packers are sure in line to win that division. So they could be in the middle of pack of that division and do better than three wins and one tie from last year. This is just, this is so sad. This whole situation is so sad. It's like, I'm, I'm not, I there's some things I'm going to get canceled for, for saying these things. So I'm just not going to say it, but it's just really sad. It's like, you know, they're three and 13 and we're talking about being be- like better than they used to be. This is normally what you say about teams that are like actually going to do something, right? Like what's the difference between three and 13 and six and whatever, nothing really, <laughs> you still suck. So the problem here is not certain pieces all around the team. The fingers, most of the fingers can be pointed on the defense, obviously, but the biggest finger needs to be pointed at quarterback. We've seen, we've seen what golf can do. We've seen, you know, what his limits are that it's already, it's happened already. The guy, it's just not a good fit for a young team. He doesn't want to be there. The team doesn't like him. The fandom doesn't like him, you know, and he's not like a polarizing choice. Like this whole Kirk Cousins thing either, where there's two sides, there's just one side and it's, we don't want golf. And, you know, when you have it, when you have a situation like that and your star running backs missing most of the year because of injuries, you never get a groove going. You never get that flow. Like I mentioned with the whole coaching staff coming brand new in, uh, in um, I almost said Nebraska. I meant to say in Minnesota. Um, well, that's what happened, kind of what happened in uh, the land of the uh, Lions. But they started losing pieces that were supposed to develop with the new regime. So when you have a new regime and you're not, you're missing players that should be there to develop in your developing year, you don't really develop too well. You know, they did kind of get that swag back at the end of the year where they kind of figured it out. It was a little too late, but they figured it out. So I'm excited to see them get better. I am. I am excited to see them get better. I don't think they're going to make, you know, noise. They might upset some teams here and there, but this is not like the Bengals situation where you're four and whatever, and you make it to the Super Bowl. There, there's a guy named Aaron Rodgers in the way. There's, there's still Tom Brady in the way. You know, um, there's a Kirk lot. Kirk Cousins of- is in the way, man. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is, is in the way. He's always in the way. He will forever uh, be in the way until uh, he dies. But, <laughs> but um, that's the thing. You know, there's, there's, there's reasons to be optimistic. But I don't get this hard knocks thing. You know, when I first watched my first ever hard knocks, that was with the Bengals. So they were a bad team too. But they had sexy picks you know Giovanni Bernard was just there and then you they had just gotten AJ Green and AJ Green would take some time off in the hot tub while everybody else was playing because needed extra time to rest and they had just gotten Harrison from the Steelers um you know what I mean so yeah. like there was things to talk about and I think that's the that's the angle here there's things to talk about and having Dan Campbell gives you a lot to talk about because you know they're gonna we're gonna get some personal time between him and the next best wide receiver to come out of that team. We're going to get time between him and some developing players here and there. There's going to be arguments. So for that reason, it's nice to see a developmental standpoint rather than watching the Cowboys on hard knocks where we already knew everybody, like everybody was, we already knew the whole team. There was nothing exciting to gain from that, but there's a lot to gain from this lion's hard knocks. And I think that's may, that's may, that may be why they picked them. Um, but yeah, straight up one simple answer. Nice try. Nice try lions do better. Just you won't do that great, but do better. 
Yeah, I think I don't know that even Detroit's going into the season with expectations that like they're making the playoffs or anything. I just see a ton of room for improvement. And yeah, as Vikings fans, we should know better than anybody about upsets. The Lions fucking beat us last year. So th- th- there's definitely somewhere to go for this team. And you're right. I think that is the angle with Hard Knocks is that Dan Campbell is adding all of this like, oh, wow, like this franchise is turning a corner. Like maybe there's something to be talked about. What's going on behind the scenes to have this team come together like this, blah, blah, blah. We want to get the, we want to get the inside scoop. So you're right. Maybe that's the angle. I mean, in terms of offseason acquisitions, they're not, they haven't done anything sexy they added dj chark to the receiving core so i mean what yeah he'd be a nice compliment i guess they got the vikings you know sloppy seconds and mike hughes He's as so cornerback bad. yeah so, it, so i don't really know what they're doing here obviously shove you talked about they got the second overall pick kyle hamilton makes a ton of sense there again he's somebody that could be like the the guy on defense right so again he's adding like what are we coming to see for detroit like who are we coming to watch if they get, add Kyle Hamilton, that's obviously somebody they can be like, all right, we're coming to see him. Uh, but, and I think even if he comes, there's still a spot for Brady breeze. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. They can move into like nickel corner. He's a pretty buff dude. He could probably play linebacker. You know, he could be a Rover, you know, he's very versatile. Brady breeze can do it all. So I think I'm excited to see the insides of how, how does a team that really knows top down their roster is so bad, like they don't stack up to a bunch of other teams, how can they still come every week and give it their all? Because there's a lot of teams last year that we talked about that every Sunday when they were playing, it looked like they didn't want to be there. But the Detroit Lions never looked that way. They never looked that way. They always fucking played for 60 minutes straight. And so I think that's the biggest angle or thing that I'm excited about to watch with hard knocks, but nonetheless, in all honesty, yeah, Detroit's like a, what seven win team at best next year. Like if we're really being realistic. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. Number two, it wouldn't surprise me if they really, really took a risk on a quarterback and just had him build and learn behind Jared Goff for a year. Cause they know this isn't necessarily their year. It's very risky in a, you know, a question mark class in terms of quarterback, but I mean, Detroit's done a ton of question mark things in their entire frame franchise's uh career in terms of like drafting receivers like five years in a row in the first round and stuff like that so i wouldn't put it past them but uh either way there's really no wrong direction they can go because they were so bad last year speaking of the team that nick thinks logically is going to finish last the chicago bears are next on docket here last season they were six and eleven two and four divisional record minus 96 point differential they had drafted justin fields to be the future quarterback but Matt Nagy just couldn't figure out if Justin Fields was going to start or Andy Dalton was going to start. Like that was his personal dilemma all year, I guess. And so with that being said, they're heading into an off season in which, you know, they did a decent job of signing some guys. I mean, nothing really, really, again, nothing super sexy, but they're filling a lot of holes. I know they lost Allen Robinson and receivers are something that a rookie quarterback desperately needs. I don't know if Byron Pringles and, and, and equanimous St. Brown are going <laughs> to fill that hole to be honest with you. But uh, again, there's, there's pieces there. Uh, we really, really liked kind of the emergence of Darnell Mooney. I think he offers a lot of versatility. Uh, I think we would have wanted to see more from Cole Komet, but you're looking at a team that really has a ton of holes. The good thing is Ryan Poles, their GM that they hired this offseason, has done a really, really good job of what pretty much me and Nick, I think, thought the Vikings were going to do is they've basically cleaned house. They basically hauled everything out. They're pretty much loading up draft capital their cap space and heading into next off seasons already at like a hundred million so what they're really doing is they're knowing that this is still not their year they're going to let fields develop and 2023 when they have a shit ton of money shit ton of draft picks that draft class is going to be rock solid that's when they're going to pound to start that build so i i definitely respect the direction in which they're taking this it's it's kind of the opposite of the way the vikings are taking this but do you guys have any optimism that the bears can really be competitive next year 
Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I was kind of looking over, thinking about this and thinking about what the Bears were like last year. And, and like the metaphor I could think of, it was like, they were like, a, it's like a stray puppy in New York City, a lot of confusion. Like, we didn't know who was going to start in for the quarterback position. Was it going to be Justin Fields, Andy Dalton? We didn't know what was going on as viewers with uh, Allen Robinson. Like, why is he not getting more uh, receptions than Darnell Mooney? And like, as far as the offensive line, they were confused. Like, they were like, who do I block? And, you know, they, they allowed 36 sacks and like uh, 12 games to Justin Fields. So there was a lot of problems last year. So they kind of addressed all of that. And like you said, there's not any like sexy free agencies that they got, but they needed offensive lineman help. And they got Lucas Patrick from um, Packers who can play guard or, or center, uh, Latavia Simmons. Um, and, and you mentioned Brian, Byron Pringle. Um, although that's not like the greatest pick, I, I saw that he had four point yards in average separation as for next next gen stats so which is the third best in the nfl so i mean hey you know like why not if you can get it for cheap uh and you can get someone to compliment darnell mooney why not try with pringle and and see why not right yeah if Uh, if if patrick mahomes couldn't maximize byron pringle i'm very reluctant to think justin fields is going to be like oh this guy gets four yards of separation but but i like the optimism this is that's what happens when you get guarded by the third best (laughs) cornerback on the team you get a lot of separation right um but yeah i mean you either choose to rebuild or you move forward. They've chosen to rebuild and they have to do this right. You know, um, another thing with rebuilding is there's no guarantee the picks you want will pan out. So, but when you're in this bad of a rebuild, you know, there's, there's levels to rebuilding. There's rebuilding from being average. There's rebuilding from having one win. And then there's rebuilding from having six wins. Right. So which direction do you go? And with all the stats that you two have said so far, you know, if you, they've already picked their quarterback of the future, right? Um, as, I mean, at least for now, they've chosen him as a quarterback of the future. If they, they've, they want him to succeed at, at all. They got to stop letting him get sacked. They need to understand what type of quarterback he is. He is a large arm quarterback. He needs time to throw. Large arm quarterbacks that don't need time to throw are just named Patrick Mahomes. Like that's all that exists. You know, even Josh Allen needs time to wind up and launch that thing. These type of quarterbacks with these big arms need a lot of time to throw, and if not, they're scrambling, right? So that's that's the that's the benefit of having these type of quarterbacks. And the Bears last year did not give him that option at all. They, there was only one guy to throw deep to, and he was getting double covered every time. They ignored Allen Robinson for whatever reason, and Cole Komet with a lot of potential. I know Shovit likes Cole Komet a lot. <laughs> he has a lot of potential, but they weren't using using him when they needed to. You know, like five targets, four targets a game uh... is not good enough. So they weren't utilizing their best players' abilities. So that being said, this is a clear rebuild here. They need to start filling up those offensive lineman spots that, you know, clearly were lacking. They need to fill that wide receiver role so Mooney can continue going deep. They need a security safety net. Um, So, you know, all that being said, I'm happy for the Bears because, you know, they're going to suck. They're not a threat to me in in my eyes. I I don't see them as, uh, you know, somebody that I need to worry about for this upcoming year. I, I say this, some Bears fans are going to find this video in like a couple of months and record it and show me. But anyways, um, yeah, there, there's a clear cut, uh, you know, lineage here of greatness. And it goes Packers, Vikings, Lions, Bears for this upcoming year. It, it hasn't always historically been like that. But when, when you lose so many players and you just you're starting off with a new coach uh, with nothing to really um, start with, that doesn't really end well for anybody. Either you have stuff to start with and you have a new coach or you have a new coach who's brilliant with nothing to start with, but there's a lot of question marks with what they're doing here with the, with the route they've taken. So none of this adds into, Oh my God, immediate success. We're going to be just as good as the Packers.
Yeah. yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the Bears, I think if they think Fields is the future, then it's pretty easy what the strategy should be. Let's just build an offense around Fields, right? And then we'll figure everything else out. So you're right. Offensive line absolutely needs it. Justin Fields was sacked, what, eight times in one game, I'm pretty sure, last year. So the dude is good in the sense that he scrambles, but scrambling quarterbacks have a tendency to hold on to the ball longer because they can scramble and try to make things happen, right? And that's what's leading to a lot of these sacks. So get the offensive line built out. That's got to be, you know, step one. And then step one B has to be get him some guy, get him one receiver that he can just be like, you know what? If the play is breaking down, I'm just going to throw you the ball. Let's hope you can do something. Every rookie quarterback or young quarterback needs that. I, that, that needs to be a point of emphasis, right? Not, you don't have to be like there in skill. Like you don't have to be like Devonte Adams in talent, but like a six, five guy, like a six, five guy, let, let's get somebody on the field that can be his safety net. And right now he's got Darnell Mooney. He's got freaking uh, Equinemius St. Brown and he's got uh, Byron Pringle and none of those guys are jump ball guys to me. So I'm just wondering if they're going to attack a receiver in the draft and then a bunch of offensive linemen. And then, you know, they signed a defensive tackle. They signed a defensive end. They signed uh, an outside linebacker. So maybe that those acquisitions are what they're addressing on the defensive side. But I would, I really, really think in the draft, they're going to need to address getting Justin Fields, a big target, and then just protecting Justin Fields. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. They don't have the first round uh, pick this yep. uh, this year. They've got the 39th and the 48th, which is both in the second round. So uh, both places where like a low-end receiver could definitely go in. Yeah, low-end receiver, some value linemen. Who knows, they could package those and trade up, get into the bottom half of the first round and get the guy that they want. But yeah, I think because they're in a complete rebuild, this rebuild is being built around the quarterback right now. At least you think he's the guy of the future. So if you think that, get him enough to let him succeed. So yeah. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what the Bears tackle in in, for, uh, in the draft coming up. The Lambeau leap in the land of the Green Bay Packers, who just remain atop the NFC North. They're very comfortable there. Last season, they finished there as well. 13-4, and four, number one seed in the playoffs. First round by, ready to capture another Super Bowl. It definitely didn't go that way for the Green Bay Packers. They come into this season they had a lot of question marks. Was Aaron Rodgers going to retire? Did he want to come back to Green Bay? Uh, and then you know, once you figure out that he's coming back, you're like, crap, this is it. Green Bay's just running it right back. And then a bomb gets dropped that Devontae Adams gets traded to the Oakland or to the Vegas Raiders, right? So here's a guy in Aaron Rodgers. I'm doing my best Chris Collinsworth, by the way. Here's a guy. Here's a guy that has been like top five quarterbacks of all time and never had a first round receiver drafted for him in his entire career. Right. And then you finally get a second round guy who ends up being like the best receiver in the league. And what do you do? You trade him away. So what exactly is the meaning behind this? I know logistically Adam said he didn't want to be there and he was butthurt about the franchise tag. So I know like emotions played into a factor, but in terms of winning, when you're bringing back a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you're trying to win now where are the Packers just need to going to need to address receiver in the draft or what are you guys seeing them doing here with these weird kind of counteracting moves, if you will. Yeah, they definitely need to address a receiver in the draft. I mean, when you lose your best receiver in Devonte Adams and elite threat, then, you know, the, you really don't have any other options because they're also losing Marquise Valdez-Scandling. Uh, they're not sure about Alan Lazard. Um, and then Randall Cobb is Randall Cobb. I mean, that guy is like... He's what? back, but I mean, he's like 80. How, how old is he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So you definitely got to address that. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that they will do that uh, with the draft. I think Jameson Williams uh, or Chris Olave, uh, Olave, I don't know. Olave, sure. Olave. You're right. From Ohio State, those are two guys that I've seen are uh, could be potential targets for 
the Packers. Uh, but outside of the receiving, I also do want to highlight something that they needed to fix is the special teams. Um, oh, God. Neglected that and they've been neglecting this since I've, I've looked into this and since 2016. So PFF's grade for uh, special teams from t- this is starting t- 2016. Okay. 32nd, 30th, 32nd. Then we go up to 22nd, wow. in 2019. Yeah. And then we're back down to 31st in, in 2020. <laughs> so they have been neglecting that, but, and, and these offseason moves that they've been making are also special teams related. So they got Rick Bisakia, um, the guy interim head coach for the Raiders. He's going to be their special teams coach. They get Keezy and Nixon, who's a core special teams cornerback, a, yep. a player yep. um, about he split like 692 uh, snaps and then they get a punter. Right. So like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Pat O'Dell, just more special team stuff. So it seems like outside of Aaron Rodgers, they haven't really made any changes. And um, and and I and then going back to the receiving, and I think that they will do that with the upcoming draft. Yeah, nice. That was solid. Um, you know, there's there's just one thing that really is needed for the Packers to win, and that's a happy Aaron Rodgers, right? Happy Aaron Rodgers equals it's like having a happy wife, right? Happy wife, happy life, happy Aaron Rodgers makes the playoffs um so i just there's a lot of issues you know this is like a team that needs therapy more than any other team there's a lot of issues here they could be great they could be one big happy family and do all these things but there's too many heads butting there's too much controversies within themselves and that is the sole reason why they can't succeed there's like you know there's some underlying reasons why aaron Rodgers is not getting a quarterback with dude do the math this is not that hard to figure out i can give this scenario to somebody that's never seen a game of football and be like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time never gets a top one wide receiver pick they'd be like that's stupid well yeah that is very stupid do you guys remember the only wide receiver or the only number uh first round drafted target he's ever had i don't mercedes lewis Jeez. that is the only first round target he's ever thrown the ball to that they've drafted or that have that's been there for a significant amount of time. So, I mean, just do the math Packers. Like you're winning here and there, but there's games where Aaron Rodgers is struggling to come back from behind. He'll do it most of the times, but he doesn't have to. Why are you making life so hard? Why are you uh, hanging on to these MVSs? This MVS leaving thing is probably one of the best things of the offseason that's happened to the Packers. We look at it like it's a bad thing. They lost weapons. Well, they just lost a really shitty weapon. I, I don't even know why. There's no reliability there. All he does is stretch the field. That's all he does. There's no reliability. Get rid of that guy. You guys should have added an Allen Robinson. You guys should have added even a DJ Chark. Like, these are the kind of players that Aaron Rodgers could turn into monsters, and yet they refuse to do that. So, you know, I'm not a betting man, but I can almost guarantee you that this will be the year that they're going to highly, highly focus on that number 22 pick being a wide receiver. Otherwise, paying Rodgers this much for this long just doesn't make sense with the squad they have. Yeah, I think the, the beauty for them is like at this point, I know there's been so much neglection on this and you start to wonder like, are they doing this on purpose or like what's going on? And you still will never know, right? But I think this is the year that you 100% know if they're doing this to Rodgers because this is what could happen. They traded away Devontae Adams and it's not that they just have the 22nd pick. Let's say they take somebody, they take somebody random at 22nd, right? Defense, they're like, ah, we're going to go defense. They still have another pick in the first round to get a receiver. So if you're telling me they traded away generational Devontae Adams and with two first round picks, they refuse to get a receiver – 
that's how you know that I have no idea what yeah. the hell this franchise is thinking, right? Like, I mean, why would you pay Aaron Rodgers 50 million and then not get him talent? It's like, yeah. you're basically being like, we want Aaron Rodgers to suffer. Like, but, but it's also the franchise suffering. So it makes no sense. So you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if both of those picks go to receivers. I mean, there's a lot of first round receivers that are going to fall in the second half of the first round. So I think the Packers could get like a Jamison Williams who had he not gotten hurt guys, this guy was going to be like top 10, top five picks. So somebody is going to get a steal and with like medicine and everybody just like getting like rehabbing super quick again, wherever that guy falls, I think he's going to be a freak. So I really hope it's not green Bay, but the way this is playing out, I think one of those two spots, he's going to probably be there for them. So, uh, and don't forget with two first round picks, that's a huge, those are some huge weapons for a trade. There's, there's some wide receivers like Hopkins who really could use, you know, Someone like Aaron Rodgers should just amplify his career by tenfold. So it's an option. Yeah. That is scary. Go the Rams route. Who cares about your first round picks on people that you don't know for sure are going to succeed. Go out and get players that are already succeeding. What did his shirt say? Picks don't matter. Picks don't matter. I forgot what it said, but. Whose shirt? Was it my shirt? No, the GM for the Rams. Oh, is that what I said? Pick some, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. It said, fuck them picks. That's what it said. (laughs) Even better, even better. Exactly. And so like I I was reading a lot of, there was a lot of speculation about um, the chiefs uh, wanting to trade for a receiver now that Tyree kills gone. And um, what's his face? DK DK Metcalf was in a lot of those rumors. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, think about how fucking scary would it would be if the Packers just went out and traded for DK Metcalf. Like I would, I would be pooping my pants a little bit. So I, I just feel like there are guys in weird situations from like a franchise perspective that still haven't gotten that big contract that the yeah. Packers could go out and make a play for with these draft picks. So sure. I don't know. All I think, all I know is I think draft night's going to be fucking wild. It's not just going to be like trading picks back for picks. I think there's going to be some more player movement because I mean, what else are we to believe once we've seen the craziest season transpire and then the craziest so far off season transpire? I, I mean, I expect nothing less. And I think that's going to continue to happen into the draft. Mm-hmm. Shove it. Let's jump over to the AFC, the AFC North, the lesser, the little brothers of the North, as we call them. We'll start with the worst team last season, the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens last year were eight and nine, one and five divisional record. That team was so out of whack, minus five point differential. You're looking at a team, obviously, that's head headed by Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was hurt for a period of time last year. Uh, what's his face came in and played really damn well. Probably. I'm drawing a Yes, Huntley. Tyler Huntley came in yeah. and played really, really well or surprisingly well for what we expected. But again, it didn't equate to much as they miss out on the playoffs. They're the worst team in their division. Um, I mean, I think talent wise, this team is still talented enough for them to not be an eight and nine team. So there's still a ton of optimism. You still got, you know, you still got the Harbaugh. So you still have that factor. You still have Lamar Jackson. You still have the great kicker and Justin Tucker. But I think like the defense was way worse than I, a lot of us expected them to be. And not only that, I'm just honestly sick and tired of Marquise Brown. I'm sick and tired of Hollywood Brown. He gets targets like he's a number one receiver, but there's no way that dude's a number one receiver. He's almost, he hurts the team more than he helps the team, right? And we talked about this a couple of weeks back or something. She showed like, how much can you force feed Mark Andrews, right? How much can, how much can, how much load can a tight end only handle? He can only handle so much because he's also blocking. I know they got Rashad Bateman. I know we talk about how star quarterbacks need receivers, but like, I still don't know if Rashad Bateman's that true number one. So is there another opportunity for this team who didn't sign a receiver to go out and draft a receiver? Or are there too many holes for this team that there's other positions of need that are a little bit more? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that the one of the positions that you can really look at them maybe drafting is a outside linebacker. We talked about them uh, picking up Von Miller, 
during the uh, free agency episodes. And, and since they didn't get anyone, and I think that you guys, they were trying to get Zadarius Smith and he backed out from signing with the Ravens. So I think a pass rusher may still be someone that they target. Just looking at the, um, the, the, you know, what, what they've done in the free agency, they've gotten uh, Morgan Moses, uh, who had an 83.3 run blocking grade um, and since 2020. So I feel like they're still kind of focused on the running game. And, and for crying out loud, they uh, picked up a full, fullback, Patrick Ricard. So I feel like that's- Resigned him, yeah. <laughs> resigned, did yeah. they resign him? He was- a- I think so. Wasn't he, wasn't he a Raven last year? Well, who's a Raider? Who's a Raider? Who's a Raider Patrick- fullback? He was a Raider fullback, right? Oh, I think was he Raiders last year? Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. They, yeah, he, so they signed him, and they're just I, I just feel like they're just kind of trying to do this whole run game situation, and they don't really care to give the ball to Hollywood Brown or Bateman. Um, and in, in terms of fixing ah, that's their... That's so annoying. Yeah. That's so annoying. It, it's it's crazy, but I, when you have Lamar Jackson, and I think that that's like, you're, you're, you want to do the run option, then that's what they're going with. They're all in on that. If that doesn't work, you have Huntley as your backup if Lamar Jackson gets injured. Oh and God. then you have Mark uh, Mark Andrews as a tight end that will that can catch balls. That that's that seems like the game plan for them. That is like the dumbest game plan of all time. If any of those guys gets hurt outside of a quarterback situation, they're screwed. Like, you know, all my years of watching football, I would have probably traded the Ravens roster for the Vikings roster eight out of 10 times, right? I just, the Ravens always are so reliable. The Harbaugh thing is on fire. They're always so good. He's a, he's a, so he's a very aware coach that causes, that calls timeouts at the right time. He's lets his quarterbacks make decisions. It's everything I ever wanted in a quarter in a, in a coach. However, this year I am just, just baffled. I don't get it. Your defense sucked last year. The rate, the, uh, the, um, the Lions should have beaten you last year. A lot of other teams should have beaten you last year. I don't care if your quarterback was hurt. You set yourself up to fail when you lose a running quarterback. Don't create an atmosphere to run the ball with your quarterback. If that, if where, when, when the most injured possibility is that player, like it doesn't make sense. You're, and then you just have a bunch of Huntleys. And if Huntley doesn't work, you have another guy just like him. That doesn't make sense. That's a very AFL attitude. That's a very college football attitude in this day and age. You want a poised guy that can make poised throws. And we've seen Lamar Jackson kind of struggle making accurate throws. And who is he throwing to? Hollywood Brown. In what world does a quarterback that can't be perfectly accurate and a receiver that can't catch almost all of his passes it doesn't work? Yeah. It does not work. And, and Lamar Jackson, I think it was maybe a week ago, maybe like 10 days ago, someone said something on a tweet about um, Hollywood Brown, like just not should not come back. And Lamar Jackson defended Hollywood Brown. I'm like, well, this is why you suck. Like you, there's too much love. There's too much care. And like, this is football, figure it out, find the best roster possible. Don't just drag your friend along who sucks, you know? So um, you know, all season long last year, I wondered, you know, I wish I had a team that was so together like this. I wish I had a team, but there's levels to that shit too, right? Like you have to hold each other accountable and the Ravens are not doing that. They're just like banking on the leg of Justin Tucker to win sneak by games after rushing for hundred yards with their quarterback and having no receiver weapons. So yeah, a lot of questions. Their secondary was trash last year. They couldn't put any pressure on anybody. They lost Lamar Jackson for a lot of the years and they still want to enforce the run. I don't see the Ravens coming back and taking this division over when the teams like, you know, the Bengals have just gotten a Super Bowl. Steelers are trying to get better. And the Browns are trying to improve on areas that they sucked at. Meanwhile, Ravens are just sitting there twiddling their thumb. Let's wait until Lamar Jackson comes so we can run the ball some more with our quarterback. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I share a lot of that same sentiment. I think the biggest thing for them that surprised me, obviously, was their defense because their defense for years have been feared. And even when they weren't top tier statistically, they were still feared. They still had key pieces that you'd be scared about. But right. last year, there was none of that. Like we saw Jamar Chase basically turn Marlon Humphrey into a rag doll, right? I, I pretty much, my thought of who how good Marlon Humphrey was, was here. And then I watched that one game and it dropped here. I was like, holy shit, this guy cannot stop anything. And so like, you're looking at a team that on paper, they had Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. I know Marcus Peters got hurt, but they still have cornerbacks that are sufficient. I think if, if the Vikings signed both those guys, I'd be ecstatic, right? So think about that. And then they signed Marcus Williams to that big contract. So now he's their safety. So you're looking at a back line that's sufficient. The problem was that they couldn't get a single flick of pass pressure, right? Like pressured on the quarterback, they just could not generate. And now you're losing Calais Campbell. You're losing Brandon Williams. You're losing Justin Houston. You're losing Fernell McPhee. These are like staples to that defense for years, but these are all guys that are old now, past their prime. And it's time to basically reshuffle a new core of young guys in there. So the struggle is definitely still going to be that defense, because even if you have that back being like five Jalen Ramsey's if you're if you can't generate any pass rush eventually someone's going to get open right so I think pass rush is definitely going to be something they address but I also definitely also want them to address another receiver because I think again when you have a franchise quarterback put as much talent as you can around him to let him succeed right if he doesn't succeed despite copious amounts of talent then he's the problem but right now none of us think Lamar Jackson's a problem for the Ravens that's absolutely not the trick not the case so I think we need to just get him receivers they lost um, Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman. So you're looking at what a running back room of JK Dobbins. Dobbins and yeah. That's it. Like who's there? Who's the other guy? Hill, justice Hill still there. Williams. Whatever happened to the, uh, what's the name? Tavon Tayson Williams. Tyson. Yeah. So may, may, maybe they need another uh, backup running back or something. Cause they love to spell running back since they run the ball so much. Uh, but you're looking at a team that I think on paper, they should still be more competitive than they were last year. It just really, really fell apart. Like you said, when you're basing your entire team around one guy who is like a quarterback, but doesn't act like a traditional quarterback. Right. And so when he's one dimensional and nobody else can replicate Lamar Jackson and he's gone, then no matter who you put in his shoes, you're getting a great value version of Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. He's obviously not going to be able to perform as well. So it is, it is a natural disaster when you put all your eggs in that basket. But again, he's that talented that when he is on the field, he makes changes, right? He's a, he's a, he's a game changer. So uh, it'll be exciting to see the Ravens, maybe not for you, Shovit, but for us, it'll be exciting to see the Ravens get back to like their Ravens ways and, and, and get back to being competitive in that division. Speaking of competitive, talk about the team to beat in the North. Now the Cleveland Browns made the biggest splash in offseason by trading for Deshaun Watson. And holy cow, that was a haul that they had to give up for him. But this is a team that pretty much said Baker Mayfield is not the answer. We all knew it. I do personally feel like he's getting way more slack than he now deserves just solely based on last year now, because if we look at Baker before last year, when he wasn't hurt, like he was still good enough. Like he's not great. Nobody's saying he's great, but all of a sudden I think everybody just thinks Baker Mayfield is like absolutely trash, which there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that are way worse than him. Right. So I think just like the recency bias and his poor ass attitude and like how he like demands all this attention, it just puts him in a really, really negative scope. But with that being said, that they've turned the page on that. It's Deshaun Watson's team. Now you're looking at a team that traded for Amari Cooper, right? So he's got a weapon there. They also did sign Jakeem Grant, who's typically more of like a special teams guy anyways, but Jarvis Landry's gone. If Deshaun Watson's the future, and we looked at this team last year and said they're a quarterback away. Now you replace Jarvis Landry with Amari Cooper. 
is there enough in that offense for this team now to take that next step? Or are we still missing Amari Cooper does not make me go, Oh, okay. There's their number one. Do you still think there's another receiver that this team needs to get that needs to make Amari Cooper the number two, because I think that's where he truly excels. Yeah. Their number one receiver last year was Donovan Peoples Jones with 597 (laughs) yards. So um, the addition of Amari Cooper is definitely a plus uh, but you're right. I think that he's not a solid wide receiver one. I think that he needs to be in the wide receiver one and a half or two <laughs> role, and then they need to go out and get someone else. Um, but I don't know how they will go out and get someone else. And I'm not sure that they will trade. This seems to be the personnel that you will see uh, for the Cleveland Browns starting the uh, next year. Um, but the fact that you have Deshaun Watson, I think uh, the, the one guy that they can go and grab actually is Jarvis Landry. He isn't on the team anymore, but ever since Deshaun Watson, you know, he came into back into Cleveland Browns, he wants to come back in. And of course, I mean, if you had to, you know, if you can come back to Deshaun Watson instead of Baker Mayfield, you do that in a, in a heart, heartbeat. Uh, so I, I think that if Jarvis Landry comes back and Amari Cooper, then maybe those two can like have a, some sort of chemistry with Deshaun Watson and become formidable. Uh, but they've got other, other problems as well. Um, they, Jadavion Clowney is a free agent, free agent. So whether or not he's going to come back, I'm, I'm sure they're trying to make a deal with him, but they, the Cleveland Browns kind of made this defense to go out and chase guys like Lamar Jackson or Huntley. Cause that was the threat in that division. Uh, and so losing Jadavion Clowney is, is a, it would be a pretty big loss. So even though that their offense is going to be great, they haven't really made much strides on the defensive side this free agency and my fear for them is that will they have enough uh you know stopping power on the defensive side or will their offense just have to keep scoring points to combat that yeah um the problem here is you know miles garrett's still not getting paid miles garrett money is he he's he's not under a huge contract so that's coming (laughs) that's coming he's going to break the internet as soon as that happens so they need to start figuring out a some sort of a standard on the defense, uh, the guys that they want to kind of have for the next couple of years, not try to fill that role opposing him every single year, because it's going to be chaos once you got to pay for this guy and then you're screwed. So um, what they need to do is yes, it, life is so much easier after Deshaun Watson. It is significantly easier. Deshaun Watson did Deshaun Watson things with who as his number one wide receiver. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Cause it doesn't matter. Um, but my problem with Amari Cooper is number one, he's not a number one wide receiver. He's the only one and other Cowboys fans and maybe some Raiders fans are the only ones that think Amari Cooper is a number one wide receiver. Um, he's not, he's just not, he's lost his hamstring gets hurt every other play. And it's not just the last year thing. It's happened before he gets injured way too much. He's in that decline already when the youth at his age, he should still be at the top kind of flattening out his, what he means to the NFL but he's already on that declining end and that's no good. That's no good for a new team to use you as a number one. However, I do like this Jakeem Grant experiment. He's never been used properly. Uh, He's been used as a return man, which he was probably one of the best return men in NCAA history. Um, So he's quick. He's fast as hell. He's been getting balls thrown at him from pretty crappy quarterbacks. I think like who, I don't know who the oldest one was, but I know Trubisky was one of them. And some of these other guys that just, you know, were just now coming into the league. There was no real connection. Uh, but Grant, when you add players like Deshaun Watson, what does Deshaun Watson do best 
that nobody else does. He creates place. He makes he takes he he shoes off a defender and saves the team another five seconds to make the ball throw, uh, down the field. And Jakeem Grant is exactly what you need in to, in those kind of situations. When the play is over, you need somebody that can just sprint, and that's what you have in Jakeem Grant. So I'm I'm really interested to see how they're going to use him. As of this moment, they it looks like because of the lack of receivers. They might have to use him as like a third or a fourth receiver, and that might actually be pretty well. That might be the resurrection of Jakeem Grant. Uh, a lot of people are going to pick him up in fantasy. Don't do that. That's not what he's here for, not to like resurrect the wide receiver um, group. It's just to make those plays happen, and I think he can do that. So that gets me a little excited. People Jones is still there. He, he's second year, uh, you know, as the uh, p- potential number one, they'll probably fight for that spot. Amari Cooper's getting it as of now, but we'll see what happens. We'll see how many hamstrings he has left before September, uh, second week of September starts. So yes, as of now, things are looking okay, Browns. Browns are, you know, they were formidable as like we, as we like to use that word a lot, but they were pretty formidable last year besides Maker Bayfield. But we're forgetting the strength of this team. It's the running backs. The running backs are insane. So it's one of the craziest groups of running backs we will see in our time probably. And that being said, it makes everybody else's jobs easier, right? These Amari Coopers, these Jakeem Grants, these, uh, whoever is starting at quarterback, depending on the suspension and everything, it'll make all yeah. their jobs easier. So I think that is still the strength here. And I think they can still ride that to push off the Ravens just a little bit, but you know, t- the Steelers are right there. You never know how they're going to play that, that year. And then we, the Bengals are still the defending AFC champs. So there's a lot to prove for the Browns and it's, they got a lot of work to do to get there. Yeah. I think uh, if Deshaun Washington is suspended for however many games, I think the, uh, what it, minimum was six games or something like that Jacoby Brissett is the one that they just signed and he would get the start um and they released their backup who I I'm I don't remember the name right now but uh Case Jacoby Keenum? Brissett oh, no. Case Keenum you're right yeah Case Keenum was uh, was a backup but Jacoby Brissett will get the start yeah the Browns again the Browns are in a really really good situation because if you're looking at the Browns last year with the hurt Baker Mayfield starting and then now you have Deshaun Watson possibly starting like it's a huge upgrade right and then you have Amari Cooper who on paper I guess you could consider an upgrade to Jarvis Landry the the interesting thing is not only Jarvis Landry but like there's so many still of these old uh like kind of past their prime receivers in free agency right now that are available Jarvis Landry OBJ Julio Jones like you're looking at a lot of guys that now that Deshaun Watson's there like why yeah. w- would it surprise you if OBJ is like, you know what, I'm going to go back. Or would it surprise you if Julio's like, you know what, I want to no. go play with Deshaun Watson. No. Right. So all of a sudden that franchise is so much more attractive to these receivers that, you know, want to play with a good quarterback and Deshaun Watson's exactly that. So uh, I don't know that they'll have an issue filling out the receiving core. I just still think they can't head into the season with this as the, re- like, it's just Amari Cooper. And then like, honestly Donovan people Jones, like doesn't get me excited at all. So like, that's, that's nothing like Deshaun Watson deserves better than that. Or you trade for Brandon Cooks and Houston. You could, you could. You're you're the Get biggest Cooks speedsters. fan. You're the biggest Cooks fan I know. So like, I mean, I, I you probably you probably love that trade. I'm still like, eh. I mean, yes, it's better than what you have, but you could yeah. probably do better. You could still do better than that. So, um, I don't know. Again, it's an exciting time to be a Browns fan because we talked about the Browns when Baker Mayfield got there as like finally they're not shit. They're not poop anymore, right? And you know they still kind of like. They were like kind of on the rim of the toilet, but not completely in there. So it was like weird. But now with Deshaun Watson, they have a chance to finally get out of that toilet and like actually be it's something. A bidet now. 
Now it's yeah, a bidet. Now it's a bidet, bro. They're getting classy. They're getting classy. So uh, I'm excited for Cleveland. Cleveland should be excited for Cleveland, whether, you know, whatever with the Deshaun Watson stuff, but like when he plays, he makes your team better. And that's all that matters in terms of on the field stuff. So uh, it's an exciting yeah. time to be a Cleveland front. The, cla- the only thing classy about the Browns is a class action suit that, you know, he's got. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It, su- it sucks that you're going to have to, yeah, it sucks that you're going to have to root against him because he's in your division now, but you, you know, what's, we know what's funny is I had like a long weekend or a long week in New York and there's a lot of walking involved. I'm not a big walker. I don't like doing that very much. Um, so at the end of the, the, my last day before coming home, I was like, I should get a massage. And then like, that was the hardest decision I've ever made in my head because I was in like the middle of uh, like, there's a lot of, um, you know, it was like the Chinatown of that area. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is just, I, I, I should just stay away from all this. They're probably like, they're waiting for customers to just like, you know, mm. just screw Exploit. over. Yeah. Exploit. So I was like, this is not the best time to go get a random massage. Not a good idea. Something that Deshaun Watson did not do. He did go, <laughs> he was in New York, did get a massage in New York. Yeah. And the rest is history. You know what? He took one path, he took the wrong path and you took the right path. So if only Deshaun Watson had your brain, I mean, you know, who knows where he would be right now? Who knows? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, again, enough about Deshaun Watson. I mean, again, that team's going to be good next year. Um, you know, it, it's exciting for the NFL, not exciting for you, Shovit, uh, for plenty of reasons. But with that being said, let's take it over to the next team. Shovit, your Pittsburgh Steelers are next on the board. I won't say another word. You take it away, man. Yeah, my Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, they went nine and seven and one last year. The, the, what I think about the Pittsburgh Steelers was perseverance. It was ugly but they got the job done. It was Big Ben's last year. And so they had to do whatever they could to just keep him happy and, you know, let, let him off in the sunset in, in a uh, formidable fashion. And that's exactly what they did. They made the playoffs despite all the odds and, and everything fell into place. Moving forward this offseason, uh, one of the things that was lacking last year was the offensive line. So they got the Vikings center, uh, Mason Cole, James Daniels from the Bears, um, and so that those are the two additions on the offensive line. We'll see how that kind of plays out uh, with the line that they have. Uh, Kendall Green is a guy that they have. Uh, Chukuwuma Okorofor. All these guys, like they're not proven anything, so they're just going to be playing around with you know the six to seven guys that they have figuring out what the starting five is. But I think that uh, that the the offensive line is set with what with the uh, free agencies that they have picked up this week this year. Um, on the defensive side, they went and uh, they went and got Levi Wallace from the Buffalo Bills. Great addition after losing Joe Hayden. Um, you lose Joe Sherbert, which thank God that guy is gone. Uh, Sherbert, I mean, uh, and they got Miles Jack from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Mike Tomlin is super excited about this guy. This guy is a ball hawk. He's gonna help that rush defense and and just show you remember the Vikings games, man. Like the Steelers, like the steel curtain that we're used to seeing, like was not there. Like you guys were running all over us. And so the, the having a guy like Miles Jack and you know getting rid of Joe Schobert hopefully kind of allows them to be a little bit better. My favorite pickup of this free agency is Gunner Ozuski. Okay, I don't know if you guys know who Gunner Ozuski is, but he's a special uh, punt returner from the New England Patriots. This guy it. is a white, white dude, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, he made it the Pro Bowl, didn't he? Wasn't he the Pro Bowl punt returner? I it, it makes sense because he had like a bunch of punt returns and kick returns last year. I think he almost had a kick return and a punt return on this in the same game. Um, but this guy is like full speed blazed 
doesn't stop. Um, so, you know, excited about that. Anytime you don't have a uh, Deontay Johnson or someone else taking the punt return, that's always good for your team. Um, but on the from the draft span standpoint, I think that they'll start. They'll they're probably going to look into getting a quarterback, even though we have Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky is like a good placeholder right now. Obviously, like we've seen enough from Mason Rudolph. Like that guy is not going to give us anything. So. You can't go wrong with getting a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, who's like who has been sitting on the sidelines for a whole year, watching Josh Allen, seeing what he does, and let's just give it a shot. And uh, as far as the strategy for the draft, go out and 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 see if you can get Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, um, or even uh, Desmond uh, Ritter. One of any one of those guys, have them sit on the bench for a year and then kind of develop and and maybe next year they could be a quarterback that you start. So I think that's going to be their strategy for the Steelers. But yeah, I mean, it's like, it's not a Super Bowl year. It's a rebuilding year. We've got all these other places on defense. Brian, Brian Flores is a, a, um, a new defensive coach that is added uh, to that coaching staff. So uh, I'm excited to see what this defense will, will bring for the Steelers. But on the offense side, you know, it's Mitchell Trubisky. We'll see. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, dude. I, I agree. I, I agree with all of that. Um, Mitchell Trubisky is definitely a placeholder for now. And I think that move was made a little bit too early because there were still some quarterbacks that were available after Mitch, this whole Mitch Trubisky thing happened. Like you guys could have probably made a move for Mayfield uh, immediately after all this Mayfield stuff got released. Um, a lot of possibilities, but you're right. I have also looked into Mitchell Trubisky and um, how Josh Allen improved was because of a lot of their coaching and a lot of their guidance and Mitchell and Trubisky was right there learning the same stuff. And um, right after Trubisky came to the Steelers, they asked Josh Allen, Hey, what do you think about this guy? You think he's going to do fine. He was like, I have no doubt he's going to excel. So I was like, Hmm. Okay. So maybe like, you know, th there's some things that you say as a friend, but there's also some, some things you say, like, you know, after actually witnessing this guy right next to you play the way he said it, he didn't say like, I'm happy for him. I wish him for the best. He was like, he's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like, you know, those are the kind of, that was the attitude that was presented um, that I kind of soaked up from Josh Allen. Like he was like really excited to watch Trubisky play. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see how, what happens. There's a lot of time between now and the draft to see um, the changes. And even during the draft, who knows what could happen. There might still be some trades. Um, but you know, the offense doesn't, isn't really exciting me too much. The defense did improve a lot. Um, the offensive line, you know, it's still, it's still kind of chaotic when you're starting from the bottom and adding a few pieces, it's still not anywhere near the top. Um, but you know, it's, there's things to be excited about here. And you finished nine and seven and one last year with this, you know, terrible offensive line, the defensive uh, run game falling apart. So you can only go up, you know, as from, from a, from a uh, point differential standpoint, it's probably only going to get better, which should equate to some wins. But now the Bengals are coming back with fire and the Ravens, um, the Ravens are always Ravens as much as crap we give them. And then the Browns are, you know, they're getting, they're developing an identity under a new quarterback. So the Steelers might have a lot more to handle than just getting away with things because you have Mike Tomlin. Yeah, it's going to, it's a lot more competitive of a division this year than I think it'll be, than it was last year. And I think that's pretty easy to see it barring injuries and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the Steelers did a good job of sharing their offensive lineup, right? Like you said, James Daniels is a really nice guard piece. Mason Cole, I actually really, really liked. He played center for us and he can also play guard and he was a better center than our actual starting center. So like yeah. he, he's a great rotational piece. He can move around. So that's, that's added flexibility for you. Um, but I think, the biggest thing is you lost three of your secondary receivers. James Washington is gone, right? Ray Ray McLeod's gone. Juju's gone. 
So now you you basically what you're receiving core right now. Yeah, Claypool, uh, Clay, Claypool and, and Deontay, right? Yeah. So obviously there's going to be need. There's other players that need to fill out those roster spots. So I'm interested to see if that's going to be something that's attacked in the draft. If they're going to get one of these veteran guys, or if they in fact do decide to draft like a Malik Willis, which I've heard a lot of rumblings just because Malik Willis and the whole black coach thing like Mike Tomlin is, is more likely to, you know, want to work under that regime. And obviously I told you earlier, the whole Kyler Murray stuff, because that same stuff. So I, I know that there's definitely some traction there and they know, and we all know as fans that most likely Mitch Trubisky is not the future, barring some crazy jump that he got learning behind Josh Allen. So I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt them to draft a quarterback. It would just basically mean that they are, yet yeah, they are assuming that this is not going to be a year that they're going to be very competitive, seeing the progression of the rest of the teams in their division, knowing they have a little bit of a window of flexibility to try to build. I think that could make a ton of sense, but I do really, really like miles Jack. I think that's a great addition to the defense. You need, you needed somebody that beyond that defensive line was going to be able to actually stop these running backs that were gaping through these holes. And miles Jack's very, very fast. So he can at least get to the ball. Um, So I think they've done a lot of good things and just enough to basically contend the same level that they were at last year, if not slightly more, like let's be real. Big Ben was pretty bad for most of last year. Right. So I don't know that Mitch Trubisky is like an actual, like a downgrade from that. Like I I think if anything, he's probably the same, but he can also run a little bit more. So maybe he can extend some plays where big Ben literally had to throw the ball at the ground because he couldn't even walk. So it's one of those situations where we're going to have to wait and see, but I'd still be like cautiously optimistic if I'm you, because again, it's the Steelers. It's Mike Tomlin. The dude never goes below 500. So, right. Despite all of the changes that's gone on for the Steelers, he still somehow manages a way to get the team to be competitive. So you at least know that this isn't going to turn into like a four win team next year. Like, I, I don't think that's a re, uh, reality for them. So um, do you have a preference show it? Like if we're heading into the draft, would you prefer that they draft a quarterback knowing that that means that, you know, that's a big spot that they could have addressed a need that could help them win now with the thought that the quarterback won't necessarily do that? Or are you looking at them filling a need now hole and then addressing quarterback possibly next year when that quarterback class is going to be a lot better? The need now hole is a safety position and they can get that with Turan Matthew um, or some of those other safeties that are out there. I think that that's uh, uh, DeMonte Kazi is a Dallas safety that they can they can get. That's the need now hole. Uh, outside of the quarterback position. But um, I think that if Malik uh, Willis is available, they may have to go out and change uh, trade up with the Giants or some other team to get Malik Willis. I say you go and you do that, Um, especially with the type of offense that Mike Tomlin wants to run. I would say now is the time to get the quarterback. Um, And if it doesn't work out like next year, Let's say that they, are, you know, don't have a really good record. They also have a top draft pick. Maybe then, then you can get another. If there's a quarterback that like generational talent that you have to get, maybe you look at that, assess that situation next year. But right, all you can think about is right now. And you, if your quarterback is available, you have to go out and grab him. Yeah, I think I think again, Malik Willis is the one guy that moves the needle enough for me just from where the potential could be that he's worth the risk to take. Like I think his floor, just based on talent and like physical talent, is very his floor is high enough that I think he's worth the risk. Um, but the intangibles are all those things that translate to the NFL that you can't quantify till you actually see it play out. A lot of people say Kenny Pickett's the most NFL ready. So I wonder if somehow they drafted him if he would actually fight with Mitch Trubisky to be the starting quarterback but I think fit wise Malik Willis makes more sense just with the scheme and with the possibility that he could sit and learn under under uh 
Trubisky for a year who learned under Josh Allen. So maybe they can get, have this like domino effect of like knowledge that they continue to pass on, you know? Is it Malik Willis like compared to Josh Allen as well? Like that's exactly that's like perfect. his all of his physical skill sets, like his big arm, his mobility is like literally Josh Allen 2.0. He's just black. Right. So I think that that could be a fair comparison and that's why it makes even that much more sense that they could take a risk on him. So um, it's an exciting time. Again, I I think knowing that your division got better, but knowing that you have Mike Tomlin, you never have to worry about, okay, this year we're probably just going to tank and win three games. Like Mike Tomlin doesn't do that. Right. So you at least know that every year you go into the football season with hope because they're always competitive. He's never had a losing season no. uh, ever since he's been a Steeler. So you're right. Mike Tomlin doesn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, excited for you again, this past season, you know, being a Steelers fan, it was exciting to witness. I know we got to hit that bet with over on the wins, but uh, let's hope for a little bit more wins this year for your Steelers and, and, and see if they can actually make some noise in the playoffs. That leaves the final team in the AFC North is going to be the reigning AFC champions, the Cincinnati Bengals, who we are going to be joined by special guest and the diehard Cincinnati Bengals fan that we all know, Arpan Dixit. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you guys? Appreciate you guys having me on. Dude, there's nobody we would rather talk to about the Cincinnati Bengals than you, man. So <laughs> you basically, Arpan, embody what I, as a Vikings fan, had hoped my franchise would somehow one day like transpire to become so that the path that you guys took to get there, I salvate at that man, because I'm, that's exactly what I want. I want that. I want that, you know, first round top pick quarterback. That's got that moxie. I want that entire culture change. And I want to build around that. And the fact that this past season, I think for everybody, maybe even Bengals fans included the Cincinnati Bengals absolutely exceeded expectations. So I'm going to let you drive this wheel and navigate us through this, but like walk me through where your head was at first drafting Joe Burrow. He gets hurt. You realize that you need offensive line help. They go Jamar chase. You know, maybe there's some skepticism, the, the preseason crap. And then like all that to make the super bowl and be so close to winning the whole damn thing. I know, man, uh, it's, it's really been a long time coming. I mean, I've really started following the Bengals in 2004 when I moved to, you know, this, Kentucky Cincinnati area and I went to a they used to do training camp really close to where I lived in Georgetown Kentucky so once I I went to a training camp there and got to see you know Chad Ochocinco and Carson (laughs) Palmer and TJ Hushmanzada all up close and we got to talk to them and ever since then I just you know really started liking them and it's it's been a struggle man and you know 2020 and you know when you watch Joe Burrow in college I mean you can just kind of look at this guy and be like, well, this guy has it, you know? I mean, he got overlooked at Ohio state played behind a bunch of guys that aren't even, they're not even in the league and, you know, made, made the transition to LSU, albeit played with a great team, you know, arguably the greatest offense of all time in college, you know? And I knew that they were going to draft him once we got that number one pick and it turned, I mean, it's kind of a perfect situation for him, you know? I mean, being a kid who's two hours away and I knew when we drafted him I was like okay you know I think it's time to really you know we we can't mess this up you know and so the day he got drafted you know about a week or so later I got season tickets and you know it was that COVID year so got season tickets and was still able to go to all these games and um, you know obviously got hurt around week nine week 10 of that year but he played really well for a rookie I mean you know a lot of people came in there and didn't, didn't really know what was going to happen, you know, with it being the Bengals, you know, the history of (laughs) 
messing things up, you know, and he came we can in relate. there and, oh, yeah, and, and, you know, came in there and, and really just, it's, it's all about changing the culture. You know, that's, that's one word that I've been hearing a lot, you know, through, with all my Bengals fans and then friends who are, who we talk about this stuff with in group chats and stuff like that. And, you know, that first year, I think, you know, after that, obviously it was, okay, we need to get this guy some, some help, some protection. And everybody, you know, were like, they wanted to draft, you know, Pinay Sewell from who yeah. ended up going to the Lions. And that was what everybody wanted. I mean, including myself. I mean, you need to, you need to have guys to, to make, I mean, you, you have to have a line, you know, yeah, to keep simple. your and guys ACL, you need to protect them, right? Ex- exactly. Exactly. And so they, I mean, they drafted chase, which I mean, at the time you're like, okay, you know, he played yeah. with this kid in college, you know, he, they, they have a great chemistry. We already have two good receivers and T Higgins and, and Tyler mm-hmm. Boyd and, you know, him coming in there, it was instant. I went to the first game of the season against the Vikings um and we're there you know yeah and 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 chase you know was a big impact i mean immediately i mean i think he had and right before halftime i think the vikings had some momentum going into the half that game and i think at the very last like you know 30 or 20 or 30 seconds you know burrow threw it deep and he 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 scored right before the half so you know that's when everyone was like okay this kid is pretty good let's see if we can sustain this so you know the season progresses and you know, we're kind of, you start off well, then you lose a few games. I remember losing week four, week three to the Bears in a horrible game. I mean, a game that you should, you should uh, win. But the good thing about it was, you know, they, they bounced back and, you know, to sweep the Steelers, you know, sweep the uh, Ravens, I'll be lose both games to the Browns. I mean, just, <laughs> which sucks, you know, I don't know why Baker Mayfield tends to play amazing against Cincinnati. It's the only team he plays good against. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the season progressed and, you know, the sacks were building up and we're like, okay, like, hopefully we can keep this guy upright because I think we have a chance. And, you know, once, if you win, you know, you win four games out of your division, you're probably going to win the division. I mean, it's, it really came down to the last, you know, few weeks where, where they really turned it on there. And back of my mind was like, okay, well, we're going to go as far as we can protect so, and, and obviously, you know, we drafted a kicker who is, I mean, turned out to be a top five kicker in the NFL. I mean, yeah. just that's why you draft a kicker, right? I, you know, I don't, first of all, I don't know why people are so surprised at how good he is because I'm sure you watched those Gatorade bottle kick highlights, like yeah. in while he was in college, I was like, no kicker can do that, that accurately. This guy's going to be good. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, you know, being, you know, I've, watching the sec you know he was at florida so i when they used to play university of kentucky you know i used to come and go to all the games and, and watch them kick there and i was like well this guy's gonna be in the league <laughs> turns out that the bengals drafted him in the fifth round and i mean you you say you can say what you want about them drafting offensive linemen but if they don't draft chase and they don't draft mcpherson they're not in the super bowl they might not even be in the playoffs right you know and and it turns out that you know kid is he's got ice in his veins man i mean two game winning kicks in in back to back against the titans and the chiefs and you know we i went into that titans game i knew the raiders game i mean we had to win that man i mean i was just it, it got down to the point where you know at the end it's like 
okay, Raiders are kind of making a little comeback here and uh, let's not be the Bengals and screw this up, just like we did against the Steelers in 2016 when we had Vontez Burfecht and Pac-Man Jones, you know, committing these stupid personal foul penalties. And so we, we ended up holding them off, all, you know, although it was it came down to the last play and um, I just went into that Titans game and there's a lot of Titans fans where I live. I mean, Tennessee's oh, yeah. very close. So I have a lot of friends who are Titans fans and we, me and my best friend, we're Bengals fans and we watched this game together and um, it was nerve wracking, man. I've never really, as a football fan, I've never been in this position to where <laughs> we're in meaningful football games. Hell yeah. So like, it's, it's like, I've never been in the spot. So didn't really, you know, being a basketball and baseball and being another fan, like NFL, it's different, man. Like when, when you're, you're NFL nervous is a different type of nervous. (laughs) I don't know what it is, you know, with NBA and baseball, it's, it's different, but you know, NFL nervous is different, man. And it was points where, you know, I had to walk out of the room and take a few (laughs) deep breaths and, and then, you know, we make that interception there, you know, thank you for, Ryan Tannehill being Ryan Tannehill um, get that interception. And I, I said to my friend, you know, the first play, this is going to be, okay, are we going to go to overtime? Or are we going to win it here? Run, Chase runs a perfect out route. Burrow hits him. McPherson hits the kick. And, you know, that was, it was like, holy crap. You know, we've never like, this is awesome. <laughs> so we were like, okay, we're probably going to play the bills or the chiefs and it was crazy i was hoping to play the chiefs because i didn't think you know we would go up to buffalo and beat the bills i mean that's a that's a tough place to play especially in negative five degrees or whatever it was going to be there right yep so go to the chiefs game and horrible obviously horrible start you know down 21 to three at one point you know everyone's like okay chiefs are even myself included i was like well it was a good run you know we, (laughs) we broke our curse but I think the biggest play of the game, you know, was that Samaje Pirine touchdown there at the end yeah. and then stopping, you know, horrible move by the Chiefs by not kicking a field goal there. Yeah. You know, stopping Tyreek Hill. And it was actually funny to say it was Eli Apple who stopped him there on the goal line. That was the biggest play of the game. You know, that's momentum right there. And they they made a comeback there in the second half. And I know you'll, you'll like this. You, you have to be a Zach Taylor fan, Nebraska grad. Hell yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. 2006 Big 12 Player of the Year, I believe. My man. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's got a good football mind, man. Um, we were skeptical of him at first, but it takes time to build, man. Especially when Cincinnati, when you you have a cheap owner and they don't really ever. I mean, you don't have an outdoor indoor facility. I mean, come on now, like you're there's there's some high schools and and college. Every college team has an indoor facility. You're a professional football team and you don't have an indoor facility. It's it's kind of crazy to think about. Um, but you know, after that game and winning that, I was like, well, we, we really have a chance to win this. And I thought that, you know, obviously the line was the line, they weren't great. And I, I feel like, you know, if, if, if we had a mediocre offensive line, not even just a mediocre line, we could have, we, we would have won the Super Bowl. You know, I, I, it, it came down to a few plays and I mean, I was saying when the Niners and, and Rams game, I was like, I really want to, I know the Niners have a good defense too, but they don't have Aaron Donald. And Von Miller, you know, and Von Miller turns it off, turns it on in the playoffs. And that's exactly what happened. They wore us down second half. I know we got that touchdown, you know, T Higgins, uh, in that little pass interference there, but, uh, there at the end. And I mean, just a few plays away, man, it's, it's, it was tough, man. This is honestly the first time I've 
talked NFL like since then because it's uh, it, it was it's depressing man like <laughs> you 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 get to the Super Bowl and it's like oh this is awesome man you, your team the the Cincinnati Bengals nobody talks about who projected five wins a year makes it and they're all they're all talking about the Bengals for two weeks and it's it's a cool buildup you know the Super Bowl week you know it's it's awesome what, like listening to media and, and all them talk about your team and but um I actually watched the game in Cincinnati with a bunch of friends and it, it was fun. It was fun, man, but it, it still do, hurts, man. How, how do you feel about like, you know, you, you go to the Super Bowl, you're like, all right, we had that team now moving forward, like next year, like, are, do you still have that same excitement or you're like, that was that one chance and we blew it and this is over. Well, that part of me is saying like everyone around me is like, Oh, well they have a good core. Like they'll be back. I mean, you can't guarantee stuff in the NFL, man. I mean, right. you, in, in other sports, you can, you know, kind of be like, okay, these teams are going to be right. here, mm-hmm. but the NFL it's, it, you can't guarantee that. But um, the, the three signings that we made, you know, we, we needed a center, Collins. a right guard and yep. a right tackle. And they got Collins, um, Kappa, Harris and Alex Kappa. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, those are guys who played for, organizations who win and who have good lines tampa bay new england obviously i mean they have they always have great offensive lines mm-hmm. so you know you bring that championship pedigree in there and and help out these i think that's it was three great signings and you, you really don't ever say that about the Bengals. i mean usually they make a couple signings here and there but they never invest i mean you have going into this offseason they had top five cap space and you had to utilize that man and I think signing Lyle Collins and then those two other guys, I mean, who, who've been durable, you know, they've, they've been playing and they, they don't get hurt that often. So hopefully they can, you know, uh, keep Burrow, keep Burrow uh, alive. <laughs> so, um, but also I think the, um, you know, tagging Jesse Bates, you know, it was a must. I mean, he, He's I think he kind of came, Oh, he is man. He, he came into this year, you know, it was a contract year. So he didn't really perform that well throughout the season, mm-hmm. but, you know, getting to the playoffs, I mean, he made a huge play against the chiefs where he tipped that ball to Von Bell to, to uh, get the ball back in overtime, mm-hmm. which I mean, I, I kind of was, you know, I was like, Hey, I wish the overtime rules would change, but um, you know, Hey, you, you got a good defense, you stop them and get the ball back. Right. And that's what I say to bills fans. I mean, you guys had the number one defense all year long. And when it came down to it, I mean, you leave Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill wide open, you know, in the last, (laughs) so, you know, we, we got the ball back and I think, you know, getting, getting Bates back and, you know, a lot of people didn't really care about this decision, but to re-sign Eli Apple, um, I think that was big too. I mean, he talks a lot of trash on, on Twitter and he's coming at a lot of guys, but up until that Super Bowl, I mean, he played pretty well. I mean, he made that tackle to, to stop Hill on, on that goal line. And he backed it up until, you know, you have to go up there and line up against the best receiver in the game for this past year, you know, Cooper mm-hmm. cup. So um, I think they made some good moves. I mean, they made the moves they need to make and now it's time to, to go do it. I mean, it's, it, I, I just hope to be in this, you know, five to six year window where they can compete. All I asked for is a, you know, competitive, competitive team, make the playoffs. Just, Oh, oh trust don't... me. That's, that's not what you want as, as Vikings fans who are competitive every single year, it gets, it gets, it's worse. It's worse than making yeah. it to the Super Bowl and losing. It's, it's just, 
you just know, you have high expectations, right? You bring up a good point because this is the comparison I want to make, right? So talk to talk to me and Shoshone as Vikings fans, right? So I'm I'm looking at this Bengals situation where they had Andy Dalton, right? Andy Dalton was not a bad quarterback. Andy Dalton mm-hmm. put up a lot of good numbers. Andy Dalton led that team to the playoffs how many years in a row? Five years in a row. Five years in a row, right? So that's winning football. You're in the playoffs every year. That dude, what, was throwing for close to 4,000 yards a season and, you know, putting mm-hmm. up 25 to 30 touchdowns and, like, he had the receiving court, et cetera, right? But every single year, you guys were one and done. Uh, yep. and, and so that continued. As a fan, when did you – when were you ready for life after Andy Dalton or do you latch on to Andy Dalton because he's the best quarterback that maybe you guys had seen in a really long time? I mean, like, how do you – how do you compartmentalize like moving on from something that's already good, not great. It's, it's consistently giving you a chance, right. But it's just quite not good enough to get there. How did you compartmentalize with that change? And then you talked about the biggest thing that I think was the change, right? Yes. Joe Burrow's the number one quarterback and he's a transcendent talent, but culture, the culture, the culture overhaul that I think started with Joe Burrow's fire. Like, I think he basically just, like embodied that and everybody else came around with Joe Burrow, right. As their leader. And like, that's the culture that now the Cincinnati Bengals as a franchise put out all because of Joe Burrow. And so talk to me about as a fan, were you excited about moving past Andy Dalton, knowing that your team had consistently been in the playoffs or like, how did you compartmentalize that situation? Yeah, no. So, you know, I, I love Andy Dalton. I mean, he's first of all, he's a great guy. I mean, you know, first off the field, he does a lot of good stuff off the field. I mean, he was a good, he was a really good football player. I mean, he, we had some good weapons around. I mean, we had AJ green, who was, you know, a really good wide receiver and, you know, people forget that last playoff game uh, that the Bengals had in against the Steelers, Andy Dalton got injured, you know, a couple late in the season. And it was actually AJ McCarron who came in there and won the game. And it was just our, those two guys who, who, who messed it up for us. But I think after that, it was kind of like, okay, you know, we, I think Dalton reached his ceiling. I think, you know, I don't think he could be any better than he was, which I mean, it turned out that, I mean, he's just your average backup now, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I, I was hoping it would be a little sooner that we would get a guy like Joe Burrow, but I'm happy it happened. But, you know, that four-year stretch, man, it, it was tough. It was just like, okay, you know, we're winning four, two, three, four, five games a year. It's, you know, I'll be – I still watch every game, but it's it's tough, man. Like, you don't have a good winning product out there. It's tough to watch, especially when the owners the owner doesn't care and and uh, you don't have a – I mean, you, keep, you hold on to a coach, which, I mean, Marvin Lewis, great guy, but keeping him around for so long, I mean – not having a playoff win. I mean, it was time to go. So I, I, I was skeptical of it, but I wanted to be like, okay, Hey, you know, we have to replace these guys with better guys. And, you know, we, we eventually did. And, and a lot of, you know, I didn't, I haven't even mentioned his name yet, but uh, Joe Mixon, I mean, career year, 1200 yards. I think he had 16 or 17 touchdowns, best year of his career. And I think that with these additions of these few guys, on the line, I think he could have a bigger year. I mean, this was one of the years where he actually stayed healthy. You know, he, he usually missed, you know, six or seven games a year. And now he, he got a full season under his plate and, and he had a career year, made the pro bowl. And I think he, he deserves a lot of credit for, for the success of this team as well. You know, especially with obviously with, with the two Joes and Jamar and, and Higgins and Boyd, 
I, I really like the offense that we have. And, and we have a lot of good defensive guys too. Um, you know, signing uh, Trey Hendrickson from the Saints, monster signing. I mean, he had 14 sacks, I believe, this year, which we never got that from the defensive end position. I mean, we had Carlos Dunlap, you know, who, who was good, but, you know, we got Hendrickson and put him up with Sam Hubbard and DJ Reader, BJ, the, the line and, and what we've built off the last few years. And, you know, I, I think uh, this is a big year for us because, you know, a lot of times it's a Super Bowl hangover. The losing team, the next year, they don't come out with the same fire, the same motivation. But that's part of the culture change. You know, I yep. think Joe Burrow is. It doesn't matter. You got Joe Burrow, man. He's not going to yeah. let you have a Super Bowl hangover. All that dude is win, sure. does is win. He's won at every level he's ever been at, right? The Nebraska Huskers thought they were too good for Joe Burrow. I don't know if you know that story. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. that's that shows you what kind of poverty-ass college franchise the Huskers are currently. <laughs> but um, I think that's, that's the one reason why if I was a Bengals fan or I'm like a neutral fan, I, I wouldn't worry about the Bengals having a hangover unless Joe Burrow gets hurt again, which now you signed three offensive linemen to prevent that from happening. He's not going to allow that culture to deviate because the culture started with him, right? So it's only going to go as far as Absolutely. he takes it. And again, he's not somebody that was set the, the first play, playoff win that you guys won. That was your first playoff win in how many years? 31 years, man. 1991. And what did Joe Burrow born. <laughs> And what did what did Joe Burrow say immediately after winning his the first playoff game for the franchise in 31 years? He's, I mean, he pretty much said this is the standard. I mean, we we got to keep going. And he said at every press conference, you're like, hey, this is cool, we won, but you know, it's on to the next, and this is what we expect. So that's the culture. That's that's it, man. I mean, it's it's rare to find guys that that Very have rare. that. Like you said, you know, at the beginning, you said that he has that moxie and and. He's just a guy that you want in the locker room. And although I didn't mention his name, I, I think um, uh, losing CJ Uzama um, hurt, hurt the Bengals. I mean, you know, he got a nice contract with the Jets, which he deserves, but he was a guy in the locker room that, that was, he had a big voice in there. Um, yeah, I've heard he was, some of his, uh, I've heard some of his pregame speeches. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he gets him fired up, man. And I really liked him. And for yeah. him to have that year he had last year coming off an Achilles tear, which is tough to do, man. I mean, not a lot of guys recover from, you know, ACL nowadays, you know, it's guys come back stronger, but Achilles tears, it's, that's rough. That's tough, man. And he came back and he had a very solid year and it was tough losing him. But I think, you know, signing Hayden Hurst from the Falcons was a solid replacement. That's huge. Him um, we'll along see. with sample along with sample still there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was a, I think he was a first pick in the second round, you know, in that draft. So he was expected to be, you know, really good but he hasn't turned out that way but he's a solid backup I mean I think he can back up Hurst pretty well yeah no I think everything you've said kind of we coincide with I the, the the thing that I love most is most is just that path and seeing your emotion from where the Bengals were how high you got emotionally you know and how hard it is because as a, us Vikings fans for our lifetime, we've never witnessed a Super Bowl, right? So our emotions have only taken us as far as an NFC championship game. And dude, the way you were describing how you were watching that, like it, it just brought me back to when me and Shishot were watching the Vikings and Saints in 2010, right? It's that same emotion. It's like every play, like you're gut wrenching, like whether good yeah. and you're like so high or bad. And you're like, okay, the freaking sky is falling. We're losing. It's over. <laughs> you know, like that roller coaster of emotion is what makes football great. Like you said, it's an emotion unlike any sport and it's an emotion that despite like how bad it can get it's something all fan bases long for we long to feel those emotions man so um i mean 
I was so excited. I know after week one, when the Bengals beat the Vikings, we all got on our podcast and we were like, ha, the Vikings suck. The Bengals weren't even projected to be good this year. How do you lose to Cincinnati? What a joke. And then only to come full circle and the Bengals make the Super Bowl. So dude, that, that storybook that the Cincinnati Bengals wrote for last year, last year was such a treat to watch, even as a non, like not a Bengals fan. So I can only imagine that the season that you had, I'm so sorry that it didn't end with like the, final chapter you know the the, 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 the 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 kind of the missing piece but you got so close and like you said you have this core so yes you could be pessimistic and be like it's hard to replicate that success but the one guy that's going to be on your shoulder saying don't worry bro is joe burrow man that moxie yep. that culture for as long as he's there he's giving you a chance it's like that same level that i feel from patrick mahomes so um you guys have a tremendous future ahead of you uh hopefully the owner finally sees that this team is worth spending money on get you some goddamn better facilities for joe burrow and jamar chase to <laughs> <I know. laughs> run around and make plays happen in man because again couldn't be more excited for the city of Cincinnati, for the Bengals fan base. And uh, it was a treat to have you on and to get to kind of share the emotions that you experienced this past season. Do you have any final words that you want to get out on the only playbook here? Well, no, I, like I said at the beginning, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on and, you know, anytime you want to have me on talk football, I'm all day, man. I'm, I could talk, you know, NFL all day. So, um, you know, what I wanted to say was, you know, to end, you know, I've been a Bengals fan since 2005, so it's not very long, but I know a lot of guys, a lot of my friends, their parents have been Bengals fans for a long time. And, you know, I watched a couple games with them, playoff games, they were there. And, you know, I, you know, after we beat the Chiefs, like I teared up, man, and, and I, I cried, man, it, it was a great feeling. And they, those, those, my, my friends, parents and, and whoever, who've been fans since the eighties, Boomer Science and Chris Collinsworth, those days, they balled, man. I mean, they were like, this, this doesn't happen very often. And it's unfortunate that every single playoff lo- uh, Super Bowl loss that the Bengals have had, they've had a lead in, in the second half. They've just lost by five, four, three points. And it, it, it sucks knowing that all we needed was maybe another field goal to win this game. But uh, you know, I, I'll, you know, try to stay optimistic because like you said, we have Joe Burrow. So. Yeah, absolutely. Arpan, thanks so much for hopping on, man. Uh, again, we'll do this again throughout the middle of the season. Let's hope the Bengals can replicate that success so you can come on and say good things and not bad. For sure, man. I appreciate you guys. You guys take it easy. All right. Hey, have a good hey, one, man. Thanks, everyone. And that was the Cincinnati Bengals. Thank you so much, Arpan, for joining us and sharing your emotions and, and, and telling us pretty much an entire story of, your emotional arc for last year, right? It was, yeah. it was like, it was like putting myself in his shoes and feeling the same dude, feelings. That all he was I needed doing. was some popcorn. I was so into that. <laughs> dude, that was beautiful, man. I, it, it's a feeling that us Vikings fans are longing to have. Uh, let's hope this is the year. Um, again, that's the final team we wanted to cover. You guys got anything for us? No, but Hey, uh, earlier in the podcast, I think uh, you mentioned that uh, your old coach, Mike Zimmer, has a winning record against the against Aaron Rodgers, and that is in fact true. Seven, six, and one does have a winning record against uh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh. Not not many coaches, I bet, can say that. So that I mean, again, if he can take away anything, Mike Zimmer figured out how to negate or at least yeah. you know whatever Aaron Rodgers. So again, something to hold your hat up for. But again, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. We're the only playbook. Can't wait to be back next week. See you guys next time.